Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Formula One on One podcast. It's another Thursday, it's another race weekend, and this week we're in Saudi Arabia for the 2022 Formula One STC Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. I'm super excited for it. I hope my Red Bulls can get up into the points. I hope to see some McLarens get up into the points. But as always, please follow us on our socials at F1on1pod. That is the number one on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, where we have actually finally started to post. So please check them out. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sashwa. Sash, how are you doing this week? Pretty good, Justin. Obviously, what a great first race in Bahrain. I mean, maybe as a Red Bull fan, maybe not so much, but... You know, as a fan of racing, as a fan of Formula One, it was so good to finally be back, finally see on-track competitive racing, you know, Ferrari are back, all the things we discussed in our checkered flag after the race, but, you know, I'm excited to come back for a second weekend in a row. Great that we start the season off with a doubleheader, really keeps viewers like us, show hosts like us enticed, you know, with the content, keeps it flowing. But, you know, Saudi Arabia, a very interesting track, not as historic or quote-unquote historic maybe as Bahrain. Certainly not, certainly not. This is only the second race that Saudi Arabia has had, and ironically, this was the second to last race last time, so. Yeah, and now we have it as the second race of the season, which is interesting. But like you said, I like having a doubleheader to start the season Mm -hmm. just because it it really gets you in the mood for Formula One. It kind of keeps the the pressure high so i'm really glad that we get another one already plus it's another u.s friendly time it's at 1 p.m here which is really nice i'm not excited to have to start waking up at 8 a.m in a few weeks for those awful awful 8 a.m est races Mm -hmm. but hey that's how it is sometimes so want to tell us a little bit about the track yeah so the jetta cornish circuit obviously opened last year it was the penultimate race of the 2021 formula one season It was the newest F1 race to be held in the Middle East, obviously Bahrain being the first one. Saudi Arabia is now the newest addition to that region on the calendar. Um, It's going to be on the calendar for at least another decade. You know, this is a long-term investment that the Saudi Arabian race organizers have made in Formula One. Um, Obviously, this is actually going to only be our last year. This is actually our last year, I believe, at the Jetta Corniche circuit next year. So 2023 onwards, we will be racing at a different venue uh, known as Kidia Speed Park. So obviously we don't really know much about that circuit, but you know, last year Jetta the race was a little, I think, controversial. Maybe there was a lot going on there. That yeah, it definitely been... had some weird things going on. Yeah, obviously things that we'll discuss when we get a little more into the circuit analysis and Cope Corner. But um, you know, Saudi Arabia designed by Karsten Tilk, the son of Herman Tilk, who is noted for a lot of his F1 track designs, and. You know, Justin, I think we can just get into what the circuit kind of looks like, how it kind of flows, what we saw last year, maybe a little bit of what we can expect this year after a interesting opening first week in Bahrain. Yeah, so it looks like there's 27 official turns on this track, but as you were mentioning, sometimes this doesn't really feel like it. Uh, I mean, at least for me, a lot of these turns don't really feel like turns just because Formula One cars can kind of take them flat out. Uh, so it's it's very windy. You know, you're still doing a lot of steering, but still very, very high speed. I think it's what, like 71 or 79% of that lap is done on full throttle. So yeah. it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, one more thing that I want to mention about this track is how rushed it was open last year. I mean, we saw even what, like a week before yeah. or something like that. There was tons of pictures online of the track not being finished barriers not being complete a lot of people had safety concerns about the track because of 
how rushed it felt. And mm-hmm. one of the most important things that I kind of want to mention is, uh, while we do know it was barely completed on time, and it most likely used what was essentially modern-day slavery to build this track on time. And I know this podcast isn't the biggest platform in the world, and we do like to keep it as focused on the sport as possible, but some things you can't really ignore. So I'd just like to say on my behalf that the fact that the FIA approved this race to be held, knowing the circumstances of how the circuit would be built is pretty much nothing short of disgusting. For an organization that wielded a slogan of we race as one just last year, it's nothing short of absolute hypocrisy to allow this race to be held. I mean, we'll get back to talking about the race in just a second because we like to keep this podcast podcast light, keep it fun, keep it focused on the sport. But it's important to me personally that we share this message with anyone who listens to this podcast because I believe it's pretty irresponsible to not do so. As we know from that one DTS episode, cash is king in motorsport and especially so in Formula One. But to accept the conditions that were given and turn a blind eye to what happened to allow this track to be built is outright wrong. So thanks for kind of listening to this little tangent, and we'll get back to the racing now. Yeah, I mean, Justin, I don't think I really could have said it better myself. I mean, obviously, for an organization that is so, you know, worldly, it focuses, it travels all around the world. Um, I think, what is it, five out of seven continents we race on? Yeah. Um, you know, for as global as a sport it is, for as much as diversity is great for the sport, you know, obviously this year we have drivers like Zhou Guanyou, who is the first Chinese driver in F1. We obviously have a lot more expansion of F1 in different parts of the world. And while that's all great, it's important to realize the societal, you know, impacts and the societal circumstances in which, you know, racing takes place. And, you know, like Justin said, as much as we try to keep politics or these kinds of issues outside of the scope of this podcast, it is important to note because it does influence the perception of the track, how we view racing there. And honestly, I guess to kind of return to the racing, you know, we see some of the sport's most prominent figures, people like Lewis Hamilton, people like Sebastian Vettel last year, definitely kind of sharing their concern over racing in these places where, you know, there are unfortunately human rights violations and there are a great many you know issues that bother a lot of these drivers and you know thankfully that we have people like that who are willing to use their voice um to raise awareness for these kinds of things but you know i think that is a good note to just kind of return back to where you know we want to be with the show and that's discussing racing and i think that you know this track should actually have if not a lot of if, if not a lot of highlights, definitely a lot of things going on. So as a viewer, yeah, it should highlights, be... but not necessarily like good racing highlights. Yeah. Just a lot of notable events. At least mm-hmm. that's how it felt last year. Yeah, I I don't know how much of that was because it was Jetta's first year. You know, obviously the FIA race direction. It's a new circuit. Obviously things are not going to go perfect. Um, it would be impossible to expect that. And obviously for the drivers, you know, you only get three practice sessions of an hour long and a simulator at your team's factory is only so much when it comes to actually driving. So, you know, hopefully there are significant improvements this year. Um, I mean, I think in theory the track is good, but, you know, Justin, I think we can kind of discuss. So Jetta is often called the fastest street circuit on the calendar, which it is. 79% of the lap is taken full throttle. It's very narrow. Um, and for cars that are as wide as modern Formula One cars are, I think that's a little concerning in terms of when you look at these action spots, these turns that are pretty tight by all by all measures. Um, 
it definitely brings up a lot of safety concerns. And Justin, I think you had a little bit of a note about this that you might want to go and share about. Yeah, I think one of the things we saw last year was how big of an issue there was at turn one and turn two. Mm -hmm. We had tons of accidents there. There is Hamilton and Verstappen, uh, Tsunoda and Vettel. There was tons of people. And then even coming out of turn two, just lots of chaos that seemed to happen right there. And I forget which restart, but George Russell said over the radio, and this got broadcasted to the main broadcast, that he said that they shouldn't be doing these standing restarts because they're too dangerous. And these people are professional drivers. I mean, like, we watch them every week. We know how talented they are. And if they're saying that a track is dangerous or it's not safe to do a specific thing on this track, we should absolutely be listening to them and kind of taking ideas of how we can fix the track from them i don't know how effective of a solution this would be but when i look at turn one and turn two it reminds me of monza but like in reverse because you go left and then right but monza go right then left and you know at monza we have those sausage curbs to kind of prevent cars from corner cutting or stopping and i don't know if this would be an effective deterrent to uh for cars like approaching this too quickly at the beginning of a start or if it would just make it worse but i think something needs to be done about turn one and two whether that be make it a little bit wider or kind of maybe even put it a little bit farther down the circuit which obviously can't be done at this point um just to allow there to be a little bit more separation of cars but sometimes it's pretty terrifying the stuff that could happen i mean we saw what happened with uh Mazepin last year I mean both his front wheels just came like completely off Checo spun out and you mentioned how narrow the track is and each of these cars are two meters wide or about two meters wide so it's pretty terrifying if you spin out on a track that narrow you are almost certainly going to get hit or be at risk of getting hit pretty hard so I I I just don't really like this track in general because of how narrow it is and I'm not the biggest fan of street circuits in the world you know but like I feel like we should at least be listening to these drivers about what could be done in order to make it a better track. I think it could be good for other uh, motorsport, but for Formula One, this doesn't really feel like the best track in the world. So I'm kind of glad we're going away from it next year. Yeah. I mean, you know, just not to keep harping on turn one and turn two, but yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that complex is just very, it's very narrow, very tight, very windy, like especially for a sport that tries to encourage good racing maybe this was a result of the cars last year but when we saw drivers and i will use the max verstappen and lewis hamilton example here you know we saw them go into this turn pretty close if not wheel to wheel like at least one of them attempting a maneuver and we would see that just because of the way the braking points worked that one driver would have to cut the curb or someone would have to bail out of a move just to like ensure that they could continue their race and in terms of ensuring competitive racing which is what makes formula one so attractive to viewers i think that's just kind of against that whole concept and that whole mission you know i think this is a good segue into our overtaking spots on the track of which turn one and two i think while they should be are definitely just not like this is a good idea and i think the comparison you bring up to monza is a very good one it's just kind of the monza in reverse with a left right here rather than a right left in monza but it's just so poorly executed um you know obviously you have me yeah 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 sorry for cutting you off there i didn't mean to but like the the one incident i mentioned earlier between Tsunoda and vettel really gets me i've watched it several times because i believe Tsunoda was on the outside 
mm-hmm. and Vettel was on the inside. Tsunoda makes the move, but Sebastian Vettel pulls ahead after turn one because the inside line is much better. But Tsunoda still thinks they're racing wheel to wheel. So even though turn two, I think Sebastian Vettel has the racing line, Tsunoda still thinks that he is entitled to the space, which mm-hmm. I think obviously it's going to be up to the race directors of who actually gets uh, – like which space and we know that hopefully these new race directors are going to be more strict about track limits and all that stuff and who's entitled to what line but then Sebastian Vettel took the racing line on turn two which is like pretty much going right across the like inside of the apex so and then obviously we know that Tsunoda crashed into him lost his front wing Sebastian Vettel spun and then had to rejoin the track so I I just really I can't harp enough on how much I dislike these first two corners especially for a track that is extremely fast it just feels Mm -hmm. so uncharacteristic to have like like this big of an issue right at the beginning right at the start where the most accidents normally happen in races i mean we see all the time turn one is where most accidents happen so why would you make this turn one and turn two when the rest of the track is like 79 percent? and sure like it's similar at monza but i believe monza's at least like a little bit wider than this yeah i mean I think we can. I think we've set our piece on turn one and turn yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Keep you can keep going with the other overtaking yeah. spots now. I I don't have anything else to say about turn one <laughs> and turn two. Yeah, I mean there is the main pit straight that runs from turn twenty seven up to turn one. Obviously, you heard us talk a lot about turn one, but you know main pit straight it has DRS. DRS being the drag reduction system that drivers can use when they're within one second of the car ahead to get a little bit of a speed boost down these longer run areas. Then around the outside at turn 12 and 13, it's kind of a hairpin banked turn. If you look at the circuit at in the Netherlands, Zandvoort, um, very famous for its banked turns, they kind of tried to emulate that model here. I think it's actually a pretty cool turn. Um, it flows very nicely. I think we saw a couple of drivers attempt moves around the outside there. Uh, I don't know if any of them stuck off of you know the top of my head off from memory, but you know it is in theory a good overtaking spot. Um, There is a weird little middle ground DRS spot similar to the one that we have in Bahrain from turns 2, 3, and 4. Here in Saudi Arabia, that's turns 20, 21, and 22. Um, You know, if you're close enough, maybe you can overtake around that little windy bit. In practicality, though, I don't think it's really good of a good space just because you do have the next long back straight that runs from turns 24 to 27. It's kind of like a like a narrow arc that you can run around. Um, it's obviously the location where Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen had their whole, oh, he brake tested me. Oh, I was just trying to let him pass incident. But, you know, that is definitely a good overtaking place. And then, obviously, turn 27 is just like turn 12 and 13, or that it's like another hairpin on the exact opposite end of the circuit. If you're brave enough, maybe you can stick it up the inside. If you're brave enough, maybe you can go around the outside. But, you know, I think that's pretty much the main overtaking spots. Obviously, you'll have drivers attempting crazy moves. These people are absurdly competitive, and that's what makes racing so fun here. But, you know, there are a good amount of overtaking spots when you think about the track and when you think about how street circuits usually lend to racing. This one should, in theory, have been a little different. I'm hoping the execution this year in 2022 is a lot better than it was last year in 2021. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about this being, like, the greatest track for overtaking. Obviously, Bahrain, we were blessed with a really good track to start off the year. Um, But for this one, it just doesn't really feel like there's much substance in terms of actual racing we obviously don't have the history that we do on some other tracks where drivers have found over the years the best spots to overtake but here obviously 
those spots haven't really been found or like the really consistent moves haven't been found so it's kind of hard to look at this track and say hey we think overtakes are going to happen here because since this track again is so new we don't really know exactly what these drivers are thinking where they think the best spot to overtake is but all those spots that Sasha just mentioned are definitely a key spot to key spots to look at during the race themselves because I I know personally I do not know any of the overtaking spots so I'm glad that you at least like took some time to look into it a little bit because I, I was like I have no idea where you can actually overtake because whenever I race this on F1 the game I just start in whatever position um, and then I end in that same position <laughs> yeah I mean I think that's kind of the main thing about the racing I mean obviously we'll talk about this a little more in Coke Corner I know I have some things to say about it but the race direction here I think is going to be really critical for how like they have to be how, consistent they yeah, have to how good the quality of the race will be um so we'll talk about that in a little bit but Justin it's time for a little bit of a more fun segment a little more light-hearted segment let's go to some turn one trivia so Justin take it away yeah, so obviously Turn 1 Trivia is the, sec- is the segment we do every single week where we ask uh, the other person some questions about the track, the country, whatever we can think of that may be a fun little uh, question. Now, last week at Bahrain, both of our questions to each other were pretty racing related, but we don't really have the same type of uh, historical kind of backing that Bahrain did. And sure, Bahrain only started in like 2004, but... Um, even then, it still has a lot of history behind it in terms of F1 racing, whereas we only have one year here. So my question is not related to history. And Sash, me and you, we did high school quiz bowl together. So mm-hmm. you do have kind of a background in trivia. So <laughs> my question to you is that this is this is a bit of a long one. So you're going to have to have to listen to it. So there are 45 human rights groups that called on Lewis Hamilton to boycott the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix last year because of which civil war? The Yemeni civil war. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course, you know. I mean, this is... Yeah. This is... Yeah. I mean, obviously, that kind of falls into our tangent a little earlier about the social climate and the political climate um, in and around the region. I mean, I don't I don't think we need to touch into that anymore, but um, it is something to just be notable. It's just something to note. Um, obviously, there were last year safety concerns about, you know, the security of drivers and, you know, the general F1 paddock staff um, in Jeddah just because of their involvement um, or alleged involvement, I should say, in the Yemeni civil war. Um, and also this year, there have been similar concerns um, regarding missile attacks um, and just general safety concerns from the drivers and from some people in and around the Formula One paddock staffing group. So I think it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, just a thing to <laughs> Bro, keep in mind. Of course, you literally have like so much extra information on top of the question that I Googled <laughs> in like two seconds. Like, absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Well, Justin, my question is a little more racing related. So Jeddah is the second longest track that we have in on the Formula One calendar this year. Do you know what the longest track is? Yes, and that's because it also came... Well, I know it, but also because it's been in the news pretty recently. Yes. And that would be Spa. Spa is like just over 7 kilometers, mm-hmm. whereas Jeddah is like 6.1. But very interesting that you say that because I actually was reading an article that there is a chance that we will not have spa in the calendar in the future which I know this is about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix this weekend but what an absolute shame it would be if Formula One did not race there anymore yeah I mean I know this is something we'll definitely discuss in our formation lap for spa which is going to be in August 
right now, listeners, <laughs> it is March. Okay, yeah, no, no, I felt, <laughs> I, you know, that's so far away, that's five months, I, I needed to at least talk about it a little bit. No, no, I understand, but yeah, it's a little, it's crazy that, you know, all these new tracks, it's great that Formula One is expanding, and Formula One is finding new audiences everywhere around the world, I think that's great, but to step away from the roots and just kind of chase the money where money is, is a little bit, you know, against the tradition and the history that so many people seem to emphasize in Formula One, so I think it's just a little, a little weird to think about, but, you know, Good turn one trivia this week, and Justin. Now it's time for our favorite part of this of these episodes, and that's Cope Corner. Now, Justin, I'm just gonna start here because, you know, I th- I share the sentiment that we don't really like this track, you know, and that is in part of how poor the race direction was last year. There was a lot of inconsistency, a lot of weirdness with how race directors you know, Michael Massey and the stewards were communicating with the teams, how instructions were being given out, you know, as much as I am last year, team Hamilton, you know, all the way just to foil your Verstappen ambitions. But, you know, the fact that the fact that something like the Max Verstappen is going to let Lewis Hamilton buy on that back straight, the fact that that message wasn't communicated to Mercedes in time for Lewis Hamilton to understand what was going on, which then led to this whole brake testing controversy. I think that's just kind of unforgivable. Like, if you as a race director or as referees of the race, basically, are not communicating with the relevant parties pretty much simultaneously to let them know the decision at the same time, then what is the point of even making, you know, that decision? Right, Justin, we've discussed this race a lot, and I think for lack of a better phrase, it was a shit show last year. We had like three red flags. We had like I think two safety cars, three safety cars. It, it was, was just, bad. It took yeah. forever as well. It was like a three and a half hour long race or something yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was it was just way longer than I was expecting to be sitting there. And you know, it's fine. I mean, okay, I like watching Formula One, so I don't really mind it. I could listen to David Croft commentate a safety car for hours. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I do want to see cars go fast. And it was kind of a shame that there was so much plaguing the Grand Prix last year. But that's where I'll leave that. I don't know if you have anything to add to it. Yeah, and I think it's funny because we created this segment in, with the idea of let's give our hot takes and bold opinions for the race this upcoming weekend. But then for both episodes so far, we kind of been giving popular opinions that just are negative opinions but they're still popular um so hopefully hopefully next or next race week uh i'll i'll come up with something that's actually hot but the only Mm -hmm. thing that i put down for this was that i prefer qualifying over the race much like monaco it feels like the main event of monaco is saturday just because track position is so important like i was mentioning earlier you know overtaking isn't really the greatest at this track at least compared to some of the other circuits so it feels like track position is absolutely key here so that's why i put my quote-unquote hot opinion is that qualifying is more Mm -hmm. fun to watch than the race because i feel like you're going to get a good sense of who's gonna do well because i i don't think you know if the mclaren start at the back of the pack again i don't think they're gonna be fighting towards the front because it's gonna be really really difficult to get there so you know if you do poorly in qualifying this week i don't think you're going to do well at the race yeah i think that qualifying is definitely a lot better you know last year when we had we were at jetta i think you know watching lewis's great lap and then max verstappen's almost perfect lap of the jetta circuit it was really heartbreaking you know even as someone who 
was kind of rooting against Max, like seeing purple sector one, so fastest sector one, seeing that purple sector two, fastest sector two, and then you get all the way down through turn 25, 26, and then you just momentarily see that lockup in turn 27, and then the next thing you hear is Martin Brundle exclaim when Max Verstappen's car hits the right side wall, and then his quality lap is over. Don't remind me of this. Don't yeah. remind me it's, of this. It, like, You're just rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> no, it's but it's like moments like that that make qualifying so fun and i think that i definitely agree with your take that yeah very different opinions of fun but sure <laughs> no but it's like when something like momentous <laughs> no, no. happens I, I know what you're talking about i, I was just i was just fucking yeah. with you and you know the last thing i will add here in cope corner the track you know justin it looks really cool like when yeah like the those... topographical view yeah, yeah it looks awesome. do, like, it's like the... really skinny and yeah. narrow it's dope that like overhead shot that they do when it's obviously like very dark at night and all the like the circuit is completely illuminated and you can see all the colors and by all the colors i mean like the green blue of the aramco logo everywhere on the circuit <laughs> it looks really cool personally and then they have like fireworks in the harbor that's kind of right next to the circuit it looks really really cool and justin one thing i will say here now a lot of people don't like drive to survive for the false drama and narratives that it creates and i am one of those people but i have to give credit where credit is due in drive to survive season four episode nine when they were wow you came with the citations yes i came with the (laughs) citations when they showed after they had skipped after we had gotten through all the max and lewis stuff it comes down to Valtteri Bottas versus Esteban Ocon. Now, as any Drive to Survive like watcher or even F1 fan knows, this is not something that you hear most days of the week. Valtteri Bottas versus Esteban Ocon. But then we get to this last lap around the Jeddah Corniche circuit where Bottas is chasing down Ocon. And if Bottas overtakes him, Mercedes pretty much locked down the Constructors' Championship. Then there's this like epic montage with like the drive to survive like bass music, like bass heavy music. And then out of turn 27, there's a drag race between Bottas and Ocon. And watching that live in person, or like, well, obviously not in person, but like watching that live was so cool. And then when you go back and Bottas didn't even win by like one and a half tenths of a second, like those kinds of things I think are really cool. You know, hopefully we get a lot more of that. A lot those kinds of like dramatic final moments that's what makes racing cool even if it's not for the race win even if it's for one position points matter a lot in formula one so i think that would be really cool and i think that was something that i enjoyed last year yeah and i think that's a pretty good segue into our pre-race prediction so as you guys know this is formula one-on-one we like having a little bit of competition at the beginning of the season we did season predictions outlined our points total for everything and every episode of formation lap we're going to have a few different questions for more points that we can gain throughout the season to see at the end of the season who is the formula one-on-one wdc uh so in the show notes we will have a live scoreboard with all of our predictions nicely formatted for you guys to look at throughout the season we'll have the score in the show notes for you guys to look at throughout the season we'll keep you guys updated on it but without further ado for 10 points each this week sashwat who will be the pole sitter? Justin, I think after the horrible, horrible situation I described a few moments ago with Max Verstappen and his Q3 lap in Jeddah, I think he is going to put in a purple sector one, a purple sector two, and a purple sector three. And that's what I'm P1. talking about. That is what I'm talking about, and Sash, because as I, much also, as, I also have Max Verstappen. As much as it hurts me to say that he will be on pole, 
we saw how good that Red Bull was in a straight line, which as someone who started watching F1 in 2021, saying the words Red Bull fast in a straight line is not like, it, it, that doesn't seem right to me. Well, I mean, they're, they've always been fast, but like, it's just Mercedes were so well known for it. Yeah. And now that Red Bull seemed to be very good at that this year, the long straights on Jetta that are very well suited for that kind of thing. I think is going to benefit Red Bull. I think Max is obviously a fantastic driver who can take advantage of that. He knows this circuit pretty well. I mean, he knows quite literally the limits of it. Um, so, yeah, I think pole for Max this week. Yeah, I also have Max for pole. I think he's coming back with a vengeance. I think he was close enough to that Ferrari last week mm-hmm. where we know that he has the pace, even if the Ferrari might be a little bit quicker. And I don't know if you saw this, and I don't know how reliable of a source this is. This is, like, a slight tangent, but apparently the Ferrari team were running, like, very conservatively uh, their power unit last week, which does make me extremely nervous if that was their, like, conservative power unit. But I still think that the Red Bull does have the pace necessary to give Max his pole. So I'm pretty happy with my prediction of Max. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to find a way in the future to kind of m- mix up these predictions a bit so we don't always have the same answers because yeah. then that defeats the purpose. But uh, with that being said, we can move on to the race winner. So, Sash, who who do you have in this winning this race? Justin, we said it you know, earlier. It's very interesting or very even difficult to overtake here at Jeddah. So I am going to say Max Verstappen, along with his pole, will take home his first race victory of 2022 here at Jeddah. Well, we know I'm a Max show. I mention it literally at least every five minutes. But I do not have Max as our race winner this week. Let me guess. I, think I, I know I've... exactly who you're going to say as well, but I'm going to let you say it. From Scuderia Ferrari... In his first, first F1 win race. ever, hailing from Madrid, Spain, we have Carlos, Carlos Sainz. Sainz. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you knew I was going to say Carlos Sainz? Yeah, I mean, the moment you said Scuderia Ferrari and you didn't just, like, outright say Charles Leclerc, it, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, also, I mean, I'll let you explain your pick before I interject anymore. So here's... Here's what I'm thinking. I, I mentioned earlier that track position is going to be really important here, and I just said that Max is going to get pulled, so I... I think it might not make a lot of sense, but here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Max and Charles are going at it. Like, it's going pretty crazy, but then they crash. I'm going to have to <laughs> level that audio out because someone's ears are going to bleed from that clap. But, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry sorry to anyone whose ears hurt after that, but I think they're going to make contact. One of them is going to be out of the race, and the other one is going to damage their car. Carlos Sainz is going to pull up pass them both take home his maiden win or is maiden for your first or second i don't know the terminology okay he's gonna take home his maiden win (laughs) in formula one he'll be standing on top of that podium with not one but two red bulls and i know that that's not for any extra points but i will say that carlos signs is on surrounded on both sides by two Two Red Bull drivers. Interesting. So you're predicting basically a Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen 10 years and one week incident. Yes, yes. Anniversary. The 10 year anniversary of the incident. Yeah. I mean, again, Jetta, we saw the craziness, the absolute insanity that it was last year. So if something like that does happen, you know, you can't really rule it out. I mean, hell, Esteban Ocon was in P3 for the majority of that race you know, up until Valtteri Bottas, like, just <laughs> quite literally stole it from his clutches. But, um, 
No, I think, you know, banking on something crazy happening and Carlos signs the the smooth operator, you know, pulling through <laughs> in that kind of moment, you know, not necessarily a bad pick, but I'll be boring. I'll be the suit. I'll take Max Verstappen in a P1 on both Saturday I, and Sunday. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of hedging my bets there because, like, if Max Verstappen wins, I'm not going to be disappointed because yeah. I'm losing points to you. I'm going to be happy that Max Verstappen exactly. can beat the Ferrari that looks really good right now. Mm-hmm. One more quick note before we get to our final question is that in the preseason predictions, we got to pick three races for Lance Stroll, and we're going to get his points at those races yeah. added to our total. I chose Saudi Arabia as one of them just because I wanted some early season points. Now, the the Aston Martin looks absolutely garbage, so I'm not really expecting anything. Yeah. And he didn't get any points for you in Bahrain last week. Nope. But here, here was my justification behind it. I think that there's going to be some, like, crazy crashes. He'll get somehow into one of the point spots, and he'll get me. he'll get me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, betting on craziness and variability in Formula One is not always the worst thing in the world. And when, (laughs) you know, we have a small sample size of just last year at Jeddah, I can't really blame you, honestly. (laughs) Sure. So let's go to our final question, because this is getting a bit longer than probably we would have liked. But will a McLaren score points this weekend? Justin, I am going to say no. And as much as it makes me upset to say that, you know, obviously, I think we both had McLaren in our fourth position for the constructor pre- or in the uh, we did. season predictions, I should say. Um, you know, last week, it was it was probably a nightmare start. I mean, Lando Norris qualifies P13, Daniel Ricciardo qualifies P18. Both of them finish outside of the points, even after Pierre Gasly and both of the main Red Bulls drop out of the race. I think that is just... A horrible horrible start i don't really see any positives that mclaren are going to be able to bring back in what is not even a full week between races it was pretty much just like four or five days um before the next weekend started so i i'm not too confident on mclaren i mean i could be a little crazy and say that oh because of the crazy crashes something might happen and mclaren might sneak into the points but I just was not impressed by them last week. And weekend. that is that is my exact prediction that because of the craziness that will be caused this weekend and because I think there's no way McLaren do as bad as they did last weekend that they will score points. Okay. And I will be taking those 10 points from you which will be very nice. So that's that's pretty much all I have to say. I don't know if you have anything else to add before I wrap this up. No. I mean, I think that's it. I'm obviously looking forward to what is hopefully a much better race than last year. This time around in Jeddah, obviously great racing is fun racing. So I think, yeah, wrap, let's wrap it up. All right, everyone. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. We'll try to keep it a bit shorter this time. We want to keep them around 30 minutes. So this one ran a bit over, but hopefully that extra content is just enjoyable for you. But please, again, follow us on our socials at F1on1pod on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we will see you on Sunday after the race for the checkered flag episode. Peace. Have a good one, guys.